name is Dave Hanrowdy and there will be no encore. Welcome back to the best damn music podcast in the entire Northern Hemisphere, or wherever it is that we are. I don't even know anymore. Sonic Architect Adam is here this week. As always, and we are in the Northern Hemisphere, Dave. You'll be happy to know. I'm delighted. And making his full-fledged no encore debut, he has done the occasional, I do mean occasional, audio drop-in before. It is... Uh, Dublin's premier film critic uh, and <laughs> uh, Easy Tiger. I never, I've never subscribed to that. I, Please don't. I self-proclaimed myself that before. So <laughs> did you really? Oh yeah, as a gag. But, the gag, <laughs> but, but as we all know, every, every joke has a bit of truth in it. So, but he's also uh, the kingpin supreme over at Entertainment.ie. You'll see him on Ireland AM as well in the morning, I trashing was, films. I was waiting for you to mention Ireland AM. I, I only was, thought I, of it now. You only just so okay, grand. It's yeah. Brian Lloyd, everybody. Hey, hello, hi, how are you? <laughs> well, Welcome. Um, yeah, you're you're a busy guy. Like you're often on the radio, the television. You know, any kind of you know publication of merit. Long time listener, first time guest. I have I to know, say, I've been, been listening to been listening to your show for a long time. Let's really just, appreciate the intro. Let's yeah, just call you. it out because I think you messaged me about a week ago and said, "Are we fucking doing this or what?" Because I've been courting you for quite some time, but I've also been—I I think I've been teasing you. You've been—you've been quite the cocktease. Yeah. You've been quite the cocktease. I was uh, like the fuck boy, if you will. <laughs> no, genuinely. <laughs> Like a year ago. Kenny. <laughs> that was more yeah. The fuck boy. <laughs> just just drum the table a little bit while they say No, I you said this to me like a year ago. I was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. 100%. Want to do a show? <laughs> yeah. But I was like, Tolly, let's do it. Like give, give me a topic, let's go. I'm hundred percent on board. Doing it, I might ghost at him. And then he oh, ghosted me. Hey. Yeah. Fucking ghosted Not me. on purpose. It's just like life is busy. It happens. Oh God, yeah. No, I mean, it's not as bad as like getting a wrong number in a nightclub or something like that. Yeah. That's happened. But you don't do that. You're, you're you're a committed man. You know. Well, no, but I'm saying like, I mean, you're when happily... I wasn't a com- when I was single and all yeah. the rest of it, like it happened. To my, it happened to somebody I know. They were wrong numbered. They were wrong numbered. Yeah, painful. I, I'm sure it's happened to me before. You know. These things happen. These things happen. Like, this is not a heartbreak podcast, although it can be heartbreaking. Um, it is a music podcast, and the top five this week has been chosen by Brian Lloyd. It is top five thrash metal songs. Why did you choose this top five? Um, I originally wanted Steely Dan, and you told me not to pick that. So I'm not I, open them. Like, that, that, that's you know, like they're no. It's it's not an area of expertise for me. There are people out there who are very knowledgeable sure. about what they refer to, I believe, as the Dan. Yeah, but I'd make a show of myself. Right, yeah, no, fair, fair point, yeah, fair point. Um, so I went for the next best thing, which was, was which was thrash metal, and I feel like there <laughs> is a right turn there, bro. <laughs> quite the, let me tell you something, okay? Let me let me just uh, set the let me set the tenor of the the tone here, right? I actually feel there is a little bit of um, parallels between the Dan and yacht rock in general and thrash metal. And the kind of the the genus, if you like, is jazz. Okay. I swear to God, you're all looking at me like I've got it's, fucking. It's more. It's more that I was. I was imagining you at a party when you were single, saying to a girl, you know, and the genus. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> That's jazz, baby. <laughs> it's jazz. I'll explain. It comes the, uh, as she writes an extra digit onto that wrong. Oh number. yeah, that was it. It was like oh eight three four two ba ba ba, and then an extra like one. Yeah. yeah. No, terrible. Um, I'm that guy over in the corner. That's like the you know, they yeah, don't yeah. realize the jazz. <laughs> they, <laughs> don't, <laughs> they don't realize <laughs> the genus is jazz. Okay. Um, well, if no, this is what we can expect. 
strap in, baby. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going deep. Okay. Um, but like, no, like, I mean, obviously, like, it's, you know, with Steely Dan, we're initially like a shitty jazz band, as described by former keyboardist Chevy Chase. You actually give me a Steely Dan retrospective on the episode where I said we're not doing Steely Hold on. Look what he's done. Hold on. Stealth Dan. I've Stealth Dan, but at the same time, you look at some of the biggest names in uh, thrash metal, mm-hmm. they all have jazz influences and jazz roots. Cliff Burton from Metallica, big, big jazz guy. Chris Poland from Megadeth and Gar Samuelson from Megadeth. Both of those were big, big jazz guys. And in fact, there's an entire like cottage industry of people that have been fired by Dave Mustaine that then <laughs> go on to form jazz fusion bands that tour exclusively in Northern California. Okay. So there's hold, a, there is there is a lot of hold of, your hold yeah. your powder for now because that's later in the show. Sure. And sorry, if you want to yeah. jump straight to the thrash metal section, there'll be a timestamp in the show notes. You can do so. But we must start with the week in music news. And uh, a bit scattershot, to say the least, but Adam, if you could hit me with the new sting, please. Start spreading the news. So we'll start with, um, my headline here is Jinx Lennon, hashtag stands up for Roisin Murphy. Who wants to get into this one? Nope. <laughs> I was on... Story, please. <laughs> I was on I was on the last word Matt Cooper uh, last week and it was the new it was the music section music like the, the slot that they do on Tuesday and the first story was Roshi Murphy and Matt Cooper just go and I love Matt Cooper Matt Cooper was like Roshi Murphy has been cancelled and I was just like oh Christ here we go and literally like when, when when he threw it it was me and John Cadell and Matt was like Dave and I literally on air I went oh I'm first up excellent oh, I was cool. like great <laughs> so, fantastic but no it was good it, it was nice to have a platform to, to say the words trans rights or human rights on national radio and I thankfully did not see the flurry of text that I'm sure came in. Uh, I'm not looking to get into the Roshi Murphy debate too much. All I will say is that I don't want Roshi Murphy in the stocks or anything. I think we're all disappointed. I think Nile 9 wrote a very good piece about the whole situation. He that did. Was unfortunately led to him getting horrific abuse online, because that's what happens. And yep. I do think as well, you're seeing this fucked up thing of like, you know, and for anyone somebody who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, Roshi Murphy made comments in relation to puberty blockers, and it was on a private Facebook account, and it's led to the trans, anti-trans movement coming out in the droves and saying that we're we're now new fans of this of this musician and it's like you're not really though you're not going to go to the shows or anything uh, her album Hip Parade has come out apparently it's fantastic I've yet to get to it um, It's people are disappointed obviously and like I say again trans rights are human rights that to me is not a debate um, and the only reason I wanted to mention this at all is because Jinx Lennon writes like the Zodiac thank you very much famous um, Dundalk noise man Jinx Lennon who God love him very prolific musician I've nothing personal against the man I've never understood the music I must say um there was a time though um i remember when i was writing for joe i went to picnic a couple of years ago the last time it was on and david keenan was on yeah and i like i gave a fairly withering review of david keenan set because it's not really for me and i said something like well it could be worse you know you could be listening to jinx lennon which admittedly is a dick move on my behalf yeah it's a, it's a bit flippant there's no need for that drive-by but i did it jinx lennon was not happy and called me out on twitter Egged on by May Kay of Fight Like Apes and friend of mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, she knew what she was doing. And I deserved it. I, I, took, I, I took a random shot at the man. But uh, what's happened now, you see, four years later is, once again, Dave was right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Time to sound the Dave was right klaxon. Because Jinx Lennon um, did what we, what, what we just shouldn't do in some of these debates. He got involved and was like, I, want, I think it's disgraceful that Roshan Murphy was dropped by her label. She wasn't. Um, and just, you know kind of put his foot in it yeah which led to a explainer he put up an explainer post on Monday on Twitter unfortunately he's deleted it now 
But he put up a handwritten letter. Yeah, I saw and this. I quoted it and I said, did the Zodiac write this? Because the handwriting is remarkably similar to that of the infamous Zodiac killer. Uh, all that Possibly was missing, Ted Cruz, we don't know. <laughs> all Ted was, Cruz's dad. <laughs> all that was missing was the target symbol at the end. Uh, as Michael Pope pointed out as well, it was also remarkably similar to the advertising campaign for the failed motion picture The Snowman, in which we had the please, Mr. Police, you could have saved her, I gave her all I gave you all the clues. Uh, I'm I've got just for the record, I also have the handwriting of a serial killer. So Have you really? Horrific handwriting. Wow! If I was writing like if I, if, I was, if I was writing a name that had two e's in it, it'd yeah. be two different st- style of e. You know? Do you write cursive or do you write in blocks? Because I write of, in blocks. It's a bit of both. I don't. I don't even know what that means anymore because you know we're all slaves to the digital That's keyboard. It. Like yeah. so. No, I never had nice handwriting. I don't think, and I certainly. Nah, it's not. It's not. So like you know, I feel bad slagging off another human being's handwriting. That's all. But like, if we're th- going to be petty, like, I mean, this, yeah. I mean, there are worse things. There are worse petty things to slag somebody off about. Like, he's got the handwriting of a serial killer. Yeah, and I'm yeah, uh, like Jinx Lennon has the handwriting of a serial killer, as do I. So we have that in common. We have that in common. But well, I should say common. as well for poor Jinx, he then deleted that tweet and put up another statement. And I said, to the, someone tell me, oh, he's put up another statement, and I got really excited. I was like, has he written another? <laughs> has, he, has he written? And he had. So if you go to Twitter, to Jinx Lennon's Twitter, uh, don't give the man abuse. Don't give anyone abuse. Just be nice to, to, to each other. Like that, that's. This all contented. Just be nice to each other. Um, oh, that, just fucking it. Just, just, just lay into him. <laughs> stop, stop fucking pussy His around. His music is horrific. Okay, well, what, what do you want me to say? <laughs> just call him a court rate John Cooper Clark and move on. All right, <laughs> fuck's sake. Like, stop fucking, okay. stop this dilly dallying. Like. Let's talk about Grimes and Elon Musk, shall we? Uh, <laughs> take a deep breath, there, Brian. Oh. Uh, so Grimes and Elon Musk are back in the news because there's a new book about Elon Musk, and it, there's a reveal in it that he and Grimes have a third child. The name of the child, Techno Mechanicus? Techno Mechanicus. Now, what I want to know is, does this name sound more like a character from Mad Max Fury Road or the Twisted Metal video game series? Funny, I would have said Voltron, actually. Okay. <laughs> I would have said either oh, Voltron yeah. Transformers or, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or Transformers or something like that. Or some kind of like... <clears throat> shitty RPG from the 80s, like Fantasy Star or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I've ever learned about Elon Musk and Grimes has been against my will. Oh, you knew you were going to say involuntary, yeah. <laughs> yeah, involuntary. I never, ever want to hear about him ever again. I think Grimes um, had one good song and she's been trading on it since. Ah, she's had more than one good song. She's had one good song. That's I'll not, say no, 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 I'm not having this. She's had three great albums, I would say. No, she's had one good song. Is it Oblivion, Brian? Yes, it is. From Oblivion. the Aircom ad. Yeah, from the fucking Aircom ad. Yeah, and I'll fucking say it again. What, you're going to tell me that fucking Dune concept album she did was good? Wow. Caladan. <laughs> cool, man. Fuck. No, she is. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that, like, that uh, photo shoot she did where she was walking up fucking Sunset Boulevard. Rest with, is a character from, I want to say, like Skyrim or something. Yeah, while where, reading... Uh, reading fucking, what was it, Das Kapital or something? <laughs> or no, the Communist Manifesto. Yeah, yeah. After she broke up with Elon Musk. Like, don't get me wrong, I love a bit of messy drama. I love... Um, a kind of uh, uh, a scripted narrative being played out on paparazzi photos and stuff like that. No problem with it. That's fine. But the performative nature of Grimes and Elon Musk uh, makes me sick to my stomach, and I feel that when the revolution comes, we should guillotine him first and her second. She's uh, no. So the, you don't own a Tesla, Brian. 
<laughs> I don't own a Tesla. And I think if I was given one, I would like piss into the battery to make sure that it'll never work again. I hate it. I, there are no words. I, I'm actually like getting really, really worked up about how I much I hate Elon Musk. Like, and it's not even because he, he, like, he bought Twitter and made shit of it. Like, that's fine. Twitter was a cesspit anyway. Like, I'm glad that he's like driven that into the ground. It needed it. But he represents everything that I hate about the billionaire class. Like, you could just live your money, live with your money and your life, and you'd never have to bother anyone again. But now here I am on a fucking podcast talking about your fucking wife and your fucking kids. So hang on, uh, how do you feel about, like, wacky names for children in general? Away from... Fine. Really? Totally fine. Techno Mechanicus? Techno Mechanicus. Fine. Like, they call him Tau. Because let's be fair, like, you know, you're called Brian, I'm called Dave. Yeah, we they're have the most boring ass not, names. They're not the most adventurous names of all time. One hundred percent. Like, uh, like you, I mean, change I, your name. Like. I, 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 don't, I genuinely don't care enough about kids to have an opinion on weird names. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what was it? Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin called their kid Apple. Apple, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but people get really like people do freak out about this kind of stuff. Well, and people I find, are fucking idiots. <laughs> Seriously, like, I agree. There are bigger things in the world to actually give a shit about. But this than- is this is like form, I guess, of escapism, where it's like I can judge somebody else and their parenting skills or something. And, you know, any name that isn't a conventional name is somehow an affront to humanity. It's what, well, like, again, this, like, you know, this kind of ties back to into the whole like trans rights or human rights thing. It's like, can't you just fucking leave people alone? Apparently not. Apparently not. And also, speaking of leave, not leaving things alone, right? There was, a, uh, there was an auction there last week, and we'll get to that in just a second, but I want to know, uh, as, a, as an esteemed film critic, and I'm, I'm wary now of winding up further because, you know, that was, that, that was like an 11. That was an 11, I apologise. I'm, I'm concerned about the levels in the microphone, but Adam has his headphones on, so apparently it's going to be fine. Everything's I'm sorry well I came control. in very hard No, 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 no. don't let topic. me, live your truth, you know, don't let me censor you, but I want to know, what do you think of the motion picture Bohemian Rhapsody? <sighs> okay. I know, before I even open my mouth, I know what you're going to say, and I know what you're going to say. Tell us. You're going to say, I actually feel that it's like just total drivel, and it's just like, you know, hagiography masked as biography, and, you know, the songs were shit, and, (laughs) you know, I just really didn't like it. And, like, you know, I mean, he didn't even sing the songs, you know, that kind of way. That is not, that's not, that's a terrible impression. (laughs) What what I will say is, you're half right. (laughs) No, you're half right. I fucking knew it. It's a terrible made film. The songs are great because it's Queen. Queen are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've no beef with Queen. No, okay, look, right. I've beef with terrible films made by sex pests. Sure, but then, you know, God bless him, Dexter Fletcher had to go in there and try fucking make a leather pouch out of a pig's ear. And he made Rocketman, which I do like. Me too. People don't like that movie, I think it's good. I think out very of the good movie. T- a very, very good movie. Yeah. And in fact, Rocketman out of the two of them is the far superior film. In every way. And mm-hmm. also, like, you can't really fail with Elton John jukebox musical guys. No, God, no. That's going to, like, it's fantastic. It's, it's brilliant. But Bohemian Rhapsody, I feel like you're about to mention some kind of defense here. Have we all been a bit too harsh on this film? And I swear there's a reason why we're talking about this. I feel... Do you know something, right? I, I came out of the screening of it, and I was at another thing, and I was talking to my learned colleague in the Irish Times, Tara Brady, and I was like, so what did you make of it? Because I was like, it's fine. It's totally serviceable. Is it the best musical biopic ever made? Of course fucking not. Is it a rampant, violent piece of shit? No, it isn't. <laughs> it's serviceable. It's fine. Did it deserve to win all the Oscars or whatever it won? Best editing. Well, no. <laughs> and we've all <laughs> seen the scene, no. the scene right there. We've all seen the Aiden Gillen the scene. scene. You know? Yeah, no. Like you. It's, it's, you must no. be Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. 
I want to. <laughs> you always feel like he's talking out the side of his mouth. Sorry, not to derail even further, but did you see that Aiden Gillen detective movie that came out this year called Barber? I was meant to go to the screen and remember I, the trailer. I remember the trailer. Very someone, well. those two bits of the trailer were like someone starts off and someone goes, "So here you're a detective now, Barber," and I was like, "Okay, great. This is the this is the time." Perfect. And I'm pretty sure the ending is someone goes, "You know, everyone's got secrets, Val," and then Aiden Gillen goes, "Dare not secrets." Dare crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah. Like, Bohemian Rhapsody. Let, 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 let's stay on point. Let's stay on point here. Bohemian Rhapsody, you think it's not that bad? I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. And sorry, yeah. So Tara Brady, she was saying, nope, I actually liked it. It was a very family friendly musical biopic. And I was talking to friends of mine who were gay and were gay at that time. And they were like, yep, that's totally okay that they left out like the sex, the rampant, like the, you know, the sexuality the and the kind bacchanal of, nature of the yeah, 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 of yeah. of his early of his life and all the rest yeah. of it. They were like, that's fine. Like, I, it's it's a family friendly film. Like, it's not going to be fucking cruising. Eyes like, wide shut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's cruising, not going to be yeah. you know William Freakin's cruising. Like, they're going to have to make this somewhat sanitized. And that's it. Is what it is. Like, it's product dressed up as a artistic endeavor. Like. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of products, um, you, you've given me a nice one there because Brian May of Queen has admitted his upset, I suppose, his sorrow at an auction that took place last weekend, which saw over 1,400 of Freddie Mercury's personal possessions sold off. Brian May said it was too sad to think about. It was held at Sotheby's and it saw handwritten lyrics, jewellery and Freddie Mercury's collection of artwork go under the hammer. The item that fetched the most was the piano that Mercury used to compose the hit song Bohemian Rhapsody, which sold a 1973 Yamaha Grand, which sold for 1.7 million pounds sterling. I thought you could maybe even get more for that. Like Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. Uh, a song, by the way, that like I, I listened to it again the other day and, you know, it was so ingrained into you when you were, you know, if you're of a certain time, you know, Wayne's World yep. and just kind of, you know, mm-hmm. the early 90s and it was always on in my house and that kind of thing. And like, it's a song that I think we've all probably heard collectively like more times than we could like, count. But I think it's never gotten old. Yeah. I, I think it's actually... There's something in it. It's complete a uh, hot take, guys. It's a good song, but no, no. I think it's I think it's genuinely a, a work of perfect magic. I think the creativity that is so so evident in Queen's discography, like you know, you can pick any track out of A Night at the Opera or Sheer Heart Attack, and it's an absolute classic, like Stone Cold Crazy. That's basically the first thrash metal song ever written. Nine Inch Nails do a terrific uh, fun cover of Get Down, Make Love. There you go. Like, And then you look at something like Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, which, by the way, is my karaoke song of choice. <laughs> and that's this like big campy number that's almost kind of like a musical thing. And then... You know, you go further, but you go sorry, go further forward, and then you have something like um, "Give Me the Prize," and that's just like this big ACDC song. And then you've got "Forever," you know, like it's just like they're so creative. They were just, and I wonder sometimes, like, what would have happened if Freddie Mercury hadn't have died? I always think about that sometimes, as in, like, where would he have gone on to? Like, would he have continued all with that whole symphonic thing that he was doing? Like, you know, when Barcelona and all that kind of stuff, like his his solo stuff seemed to be kind of going in that very operatic ilk. Would Queen have survived? Would Queen just be a footnote and Freddie Mercury would be 
you know, another Elvis or another George Michael or another yeah. It's impossible like, to know. So Brian May uh, put up an Instagram post, a photograph of Freddie Mercury playing a guitar. And he said, at the time this photo was taken, I'm sure it didn't seem very important to see Freddie's fingers dancing on my own homemade guitar. Now it summons up waves of affection and great memories he is so missed. Freddie's most intimate personal effects and writings that were part of what we share for so many years will go under the hammer to be knocked down to the highest bidder and dispersed forever. I can't look to us, his closest friends and family. It's too sad. Now, we, you could get into the weeds here and make some argument about hypocrisy and how they've been trading on Freddie Mercury's name for a very long time. But, you know, there's, there's a genuine emotion in that. Um, I, I've always kind of struggled with the idea of the celebrity auction. Mm. How do you, like, what do you think about it? Is it a bit kind of vulturous and horrible or is it like, well, what else are you going to do with these items? Yeah, there's an element of that. I think there's an element of like, as much as you might want to preserve the memory of some, like, I mean, I think, think a lot of these things, <clears throat> they generally kind of get loaned out to like pop culture, like um, pop culture museums and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, so it's not as if they're being tucked away and left to accrue value and then sold on again 10 years later for double the price or something. I mean, that does happen. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. That definitely does happen. But I do think some of them have a second life as as an exhibit piece. But yeah, I mean, it, it is the detritus of a creative endeavor. So, you know, this you can still listen to Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, the song, or sorry, the piano that the song was written on is now owned by some fun twisted, man- loveless billionaire. Yeah, it's, it's owned by some fun manager, dickhead. Fair enough. Like I, I he don't like, care. Injects himself with his son's blood to stay alive or something. <clears throat> so you, if, if I gave you ten billion dollars, um, is there any like any from the world of movies or music that you would be like, I want that? Oh, hundred percent. Oh, I've got a, I've got a massive shopping list. I have. <laughs> A fucking shopping list as long as my arm. I don't know where I'm going to put any of it. But give, me, like, give me a few of these items. Oh, right. Okay, so I would definitely buy the sword from uh, the Princess Pride, the one that um, uh, Inigo Montoya's father was killed over. I'd buy that. Um, I would buy... I'd probably buy something like the hat from either Raiders of the Lost Ark or The Last Crusade. I'd want to buy the actual... the, the gold thing that Belloc um, takes off in the first one. I would love to own um, something from Star Wars. I'm not too sure what, though. Probably an X-Wing pilot's helmet or something like that. It's all just fucking pop culture shit. It's like, yeah. And again, like, I don't, you know, <laughs> like, you know, I've written about, like, fucking collector's items and video games and stuff like that. Like, and there, like there's an entire industry based upon collection and all the rest of it. And... Part of me is kind of like there's a bit of a nick about it. Like, yeah, this is just your vulturism going on here. But at the same time, like, I don't fucking let people enjoy what they like. You know, well, let's talk of... about something that you like quite a bit. So, Star Trek. You're a fan. I am. I'm not not a fan. I'm just not a fan. Do you sure. know what I mean? Not like a negative thing. I just never got into it. Yeah, yeah. Fair point. The only Star Star Trek I've really kind of fucked with is like the Chris Pine. Star Trek. Yeah, the Chris Pine yeah. movies. I'm like that's it's not. <clears throat> I just didn't. I just never sat down in front of Star Trek at a young age or something. But the reason I mention this is because your world and my world are all colliding in quite quite the way. Kid Cudi, I'm a huge fan of, of course, has announced a Star Trek collaboration. According to a press release, the Boldly B campaign will include Kid Cudi's unique lens on music with an original song inspired by Star Trek, an interactive gaming component, and a bold, it says here, fashion collaboration. He says, I grew up watching Star Trek with my dad, who was single-handedly responsible for turning me into a fan. Most important thing to me is to be as authentic as possible. Star Trek's mission has always been about having a hopeful future. And when I was first approached about this project, it was the perfect marriage of all the things I believe in. Being brave and a hero, by doing what's right and fighting for freedom. 
I can't wait to share my love of this incredible franchise with the world. Brian Lloyd, talk to me. Okay, do you remember that clip of Kanye West when I think he was on Zane Lowe's podcast? And he was talking about Lady Gaga, and Lady Gaga was made like the head of creative, or she was the creative director for Polaroid, I think it was. That's right. Yeah. And you know what I'm, and like, so like... I like the Gaga songs. What, what the, the fuck, fuck does she, she know about cameras? I love that clip. I love that clip so much. I always like send it to like people. I was like, but that's true. It's like, I like some of the Kikudi songs. What the fuck does he know about Star Trek? Like, I'm like, sure, he can say like... He Even watched it with his dad. It's a nice story. <clears throat> is that not just the most tenuous fucking connection you've ever heard? I they, watched it with my dad. I have to assume that they approached him. Oh, of course they did. And again, like, this is the thing. I was like, I don't just, like, they're trying to appeal to a brand new audience because, you know, they're trying to... Get the hip-hop crowd in? I guess, yeah. But I mean, the reality of it is, is that, like, Star Trek in the black American community does have quite <clears throat> a cachet. Like, because, you know, you go all the way back to Nichelle Nichols and Uhuru and stuff like that. Yeah. Then bring it forward to, you know, Next Generation. You had Michael Dorn onto Deep Space Nine. You had Avery Brooks. You had um, uh, LeVar Burton and all the rest of it. So, like, there is... And then Whoopi Goldberg as well, obviously Guinan from uh, Next Generation. Like, so there are a lot of like representation, yeah, know. representation yeah. of Black Americans in Star Trek and and throughout it. Like, so I mean, if he had come in and said like you know something like that, I'd be like, okay, so this man has done the work and he knows what he's talking about. I I can respect the integrity of this. I can respect the authenticity of it. But like when you're coming in like, oh, me and my dad watched it. So now I'm going to do a song and I'm going to do some fashion. And then there's going to be a game about it. So do you fear there's a cynical nature? Do you fear that this is something akin to, have you ever heard the story about when <clears throat> apparently Ben Stiller went up to Gene Hackman on the set of Royal Tenenbaums? Do you know the story? No, I don't. So Gene Hackman and Ben Stiller in Royal Tenenbaums, Wes Anderson's movie. And apparently the story goes that Ben Stiller went up to Hackman during shooting or something sure. and said... Hey, um, he's like, I, I really wanted to say to you that the Poseidon Adventure is the reason I got into acting. Like, he's like, I love that film so much. I love your performance. And it just had such an effect on me as a kid. And look at me, look at us now. Yeah. And apparently Gene Hackman, like, looked at him and kind of half smiled, leaned in and said, money grab, and then walked away. Wow. The cash grab, yeah, baby. I mean... You know, I'd expect that from Gene Hackman. I would. I would 100%. I'd and I like, say that with respect. I, I say that I love <clears throat> Gene Hackman with The Fire of a Thousand Sons. The French Connection was one of my favorite films. We watched it recently. Classic. Oh, it's in, I, I, I could sit here, we could do an entire top five of Gene Hackman films easily. You know? Adam, pivot the top five. <laughs> <laughs> let's do The Firm. Let's do The Royal Tenenbaums. Let's do French Connection. Let's do French Connection 2. Never saw it. Brilliant. John Frankenheimer directs it. The guy who did Ron In, it's on Disney Plus. Um, Popeye Doyle gets addicted to heroin. Okay, yeah. spoilers, mate. No, no, no. It's the whole 50 film years from ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, from like, you know, 19 whatever. Look, we'll wait to see what this Kate Cody Star Trek thing leads to, but we'll close the news section by talking about something a little bit more contemporary for a second because the uh, MTV VMAs took place, I think, last night as of this podcast yes, recording. Strange yes, midweek correct. thing in a rainy September. Um, Lads, do you know how many how many VMAs do you think Taylor Swift walked away with? All of them, Dave. Not quite. I'll, 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 I'll bar one. Give me a number. Ooh, I mean, I'm trying to think category. How many categories in the VMAs? I'll say something like twenty. No, that's no, not. That's not, I, not that high. Six. 
It's nine, which is still quite a bit. That's, that's high. That's hefty. Nine VMAs. But, you know, is her crown at risk of being usurped by Olivia Rodrigo, do we wonder? Because she's got the album out. The breeders are, are going to be touring with Olivia Rodrigo. Not over here, though. So oh, Olivia Rodrigo has announced her Guts World Tour. The album's called Guts, came out last Friday. I've only given it one spin so far. It's pretty good. Uh, I think she's good. She gets a little weird flack for some reason, but like I think the songs are decent. Sour was, pre- was pretty high. Sorry, what's it called? Sour. Oh, Sour? Yeah. Um, say, say it right in the Sour. right accent. Sour. Yeah. That's my drawer. Um, um, I think you like that, right? Sour's good, yeah. I think Deja Vu is a genuinely excellent song and the highlight of that one. And also Vampire, the lead single off this new album, album is fantastic and there's a bit of a queen vibe to it at points you know a bit of my chemical romance queen thing i think she's really good it is that thing though where she's playing three arena next year and i'd love to go but i'm 39 years of age and so <laughs> i don't think i can go um but the reason i mentioned olivia rodrigo is you know with my headline here the kids are all right after all because she's 20 i believe now she has revealed that her favorite band right now are rage against the machine nice legend Nice. There you go. She's just going up and up in street my estimation. Cred, yeah, street cred through the roof. She yeah. was discussing some of the influences behind the new album and a cover story for Rolling Stone and said that they were a direct inspiration on uh, some of the tracks on the record. She said... Uh, Imagine that co-write with Zach Delarocca. <sighs> I mean... Don't, don't get me talking about we can, we can unfinished, pro- unreleased projects of Zach Delarocca and all the, the rumours that there's a solo album produced by Trent Reznor in the vault somewhere that's never going to see the light of day. And there was just that's, like... That's true though, isn't it? Apparently. There, there was one track that came out for the Fahrenheit 9-11 soundtrack called We Want It All and it fucking rules. Yeah. And then Reznor apparently was like, yeah, he just doesn't want to release the rest of it. What <laughs> did you make of Prophets of Rage, by the way? Not great. Yeah, yeah not great. We did that recently on Supergroups. Uh, I, I had them for in the worst Supergroups. because that just, Chuck D? Chuck D, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, was, enemy, yeah. it was Public Enemy and the rest of Rage Against Machine. Yeah. It wasn't very good. I do like Audio Slave, though. Yeah, um, same. And I do enjoy when Zach Taylor turns up on a Run the Jewels album. That's always a bit of fun. But Olivia Rodrigo said that I've been listening to so much Rage Against Machine this year. That's my favorite band right now. I would play it over and over again on my way to and from the studio. She said that she wished to attend their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction in Brooklyn later this year, but is unable to, as there's an immovable schedule conflict. Not very rock and roll, Olivia, but I presume no. it's on her tour because she's doing this massive world tour. So, Olivia Rodrigo is unlikely to feature in our top five, which is top five thrash metal songs, which we'll jump into right now. Uh, if you go onto Wikipedia, everyone's favorite, you know, corner of the internet, uh-huh. um, the direct definition, because I found the definition of this weird. And oh, maybe, yeah, go on. Maybe you can assist, but I'll give you the direct definition per Wikipedia. Thrash metal, brackets, or simply thrash, close brackets, is an extreme subgenre of heavy metal music characterized by its overall aggression and often fast tempo. Yeah. The songs usually use fast percussive beats and low register guitar riffs overlaid with shredding style lead guitar work. The lyrical subject matter <clears throat> often includes criticism of the establishment, opposition to armed conflicts, and at times shares a disdain for the Christian religion with that of black metal. The language is typically direct and denunciatory, an approach borrowed from hardcore punk. Yeah. Do you agree with all that? I would agree with most of that. Yeah, that's that seems pretty accurate in my mind. Yeah, definitely. I mean, certainly Slayer take a lot of inspiration from hardcore punk. I mean, the way I would kind of describe it is, is like hardcore and punk is fuck you music and thrash metal is fuck you and here's 10 reasons why fuck you Okay, <laughs> with a guitar solo in the middle of it. Like, it's very... No, but I mean, they, they do have a lot of common common attributes. Like, yeah, there is the aggression, there is the sort of cynicism and disdain. And then there's the kind of the political edge, but as we'll probably get into it, a lot of it, I think, has been blunted over the years. And certainly it comes from a very kind of simplistic 
place. It yeah, I do. I do yeah. want to get into attitudes and perceptions and just kind of areas that might even strike a note of concern. Yeah, not, no, not, definitely. In a, not in a kind of you know satanic panic way. Although that's <coughs> in there as well. Um, how about you go first? And of course, as you know, when we introduce top five, you know, a little bit of mystery. You know, don't mm-hmm. just tell us who we're hearing, but cue it up. So if you go first, please, Brian. Okay. Um, the subject matter of this song, I think, is very straight. Um, it is not in keeping with the general tenor of thrash metal, but I do think out of an album of pretty solid goddamn hits, this is the one that I find to be the most pure out of all of them. The name of the song is Exile. The album is God Hates Us All. The band is Slayer. Oh, what a choice. Yes. What a choice. I mean, I will say, not to derail you immediately and just Please. take this over, um, I can't believe you didn't pick Disciple. I was very close to it. I was very, very close. It was, it was, a, it was a close run race between Disciple and this. And I felt that um, where Disciple kind of talked about a lot of different things that Slayer talk about, generally speaking, which is anti-religion, hypocrisy of a religion, um, all that kind of jazz. I felt Exile is just more kind of uh, pure. It's just really aggressive. Like, it's just so... You hear it there, like, it's so fucking angry. Like, it's just so, like... Pure vum one t- one take one take one everything just bam bam bam. It's terrific. what is what is Slayer to you? Because like they're a band that when I was younger, it took me a while to get into them, and I'm not like a hardcore fan. But sure. this this album was I was it was brilliant. I was obsessed with this album when it came out in 2001, and <clears throat> I'm reading Kerrang. I'm seeing the controversy about the album cover. They had to change the album cover. Yeah, I remember I'm, that. And I remember like hearing Disciple for the first time, which is the first proper track on the record, and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Yeah. And I was big into Slipknot at the time. That was probably the heaviest thing I was listening to. But I was also big into like Linkin Park and New Metal, and I'm still into that to this day. But Slayer felt like something a bit different. Yeah. And I encountered them, you know, in school here and there. There were some bands that kind of played some of their songs at like local gigs and that kind of thing. But they did seem like a bit too scary for me or something. Yeah. I love that. That's the thing. I loved how scary they were. Um what I love about Slayer is to this day, in fact, I think is that and again, this is the prop this is kind of the general problem, the broad problem with thrash metal is is that I love how much they scare people. I love how much it's very like <laughs> But then when you actually look at it, it's like you're not actually really thinking about this. You're just trying to be as angry and as not even contrary and you're just trying to scare people as much as possible. Like like Slayer is music that will scare your parents. And that's pretty much why I listened to it, because I was trying to scare my parents as much as possible. It's not a phase, mom. Yeah, oh yeah, totally. Like I would come out of my room wearing like a Slayer hoodie that I got in Asha that I paid a princely sum of, and I had like Slaytanic. Vermacht on See, the back of that's it. That's an element that we have to talk about here where it's like Slayer, like, um, what are their ties to the far right? Or do they exist? Because with metal in general, yeah. like, it's this weird genre because, like, you know, you talk about how you think metal in general has a, a sonic DNA with yacht rock. I think it has a sonic DNA with pop music and yeah. obviously classical music as well. But 
And I have said numerous times in this podcast that metal gigs I've been to over the years, generally I've met some incredibly nice, warm-hearted people. Now, that's not, like, you put enough people in a room, there will be pricks. And there are people who have had bad things happen to the metal shows, and I don't want to make a generalization here, yeah. but just speaking from my own experience. But what I would say is, you know, are Slayer a band that have one tongue firmly in their cheek? Because they do have imagery that, you know, suggests some kind of Nazism. They have, the, as you say, this Titanic Wehrmacht. Yeah. At what point does this become, wait a minute? Because, like, I never, like, I like I never, they're not, to my knowledge, they're not Nazis. No. But, they, but they're certainly lumped in with, you know, they Because, like, as you say, they're like, look how fucking extreme we are. There's nothing off limits. But, like, I don't know. Is it all meant to be satirical commentary? Is there anything here to actually be concerned about? And I know I sound like I'm on News Talk right no, now. No, no, no. Yeah, nothing wrong with News Talk, by the way, who pay me on occasion. But, you know, just... You know, same just, here. Just set the tone. Yeah, no, same here. I get paid by News Talk, too. No, I would say... I, I, and I, this is the problem with thrash metal I find a lot is that they are going to such an extreme and they're going to such a point of we're going to make this as angry and as aggressive and as evil looking as possible. And I do feel with Slayer that they will basically kind of do the Ricky Gervais thing of like, I'm going to say the thing that nobody thinks I can say. Yeah. I'm going to call our fucking fan club the Slaytonic Wehrmacht. Um, you know, we're going to write a song about... Uh, you know, the angel of death, that's... Um, what Mengele was, was a yeah, 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 Nazi yeah, doctor, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Um, you know, Rain and Blood is going to have, you know, backwards guitar song, uh, guitar tracks on it and all the rest of it. You know, South of Heaven, all these things. Like, and there's also the one that they did the cover and, like, they changed the lyric of, like, guilty of being... Oh, yeah, guilty, yeah, that's guilty right. Guilty of being yeah. right, they changed it to guilty of being white. And, like, Kerry King was asked about that in an interview in Kerrang! and... They were like, what's that about? And he said, oh, he's like, when Tom Murray did that, I just thought, cool, controversy. So it's like the surface level, you know, slightly edgelord, you know. That is it. That's very, that's, that's pretty much it. But backed up by music that is really fucking irresistible. I I don't know, like, it's just. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, I, I find I, the, I found like when I was in my 20s, I just, I was like, I can't listen to thrash metal anymore. It's gone to, like, Dave Mustaine was turning up on fucking Infowars. You know, he was writing songs about, like, closing the border. Like, that that entire album, Threat is Real, Dystopia, was awful. And I find I had, then when I came back to it, I find, like, right, I've got to hold my nose here. I've got to look away and not kind of address or acknowledge any of those problems with it. And I'm able to do that because I'm a white man and I'm, you know, I'm not Jewish and I don't have to worry about being threatened at a at a metal show. Do you know that kind of way? Like, it's never an issue. Like, so I have the luxury, I have the privilege of being able to say, oh, well, I can enjoy this and separate the art from the artist. And sleep like a baby. Yeah, there's no problem. And sleep problems. like a baby. Yeah, and there's that's, no hard questions for me to get into here that I'm not affected by this. I'm not targeted by anything. Exactly. That's, and, you know, like, and I understand people would look at something like Slayer and be like, no, I, I that's too much. Or you know, that has neo-Nazi imagery. I I won't have anything to do with it. I totally respect that. I totally see where you're coming from. And I'm certainly not condoning it. Not in the fucking slightest. No, no, no. I mean, like, but you are going to, like, this kind of music, unfortunately, is going to attract a broad church and perhaps sometimes the church is a bit too broad. Yeah. But, like, to my knowledge, Slayer, like, are not, like, I don't know if they've ever come out and made any kind of statements about, but they're not, to my knowledge, they're certainly not pro-Nazi or anything. No, God, no. Jesus, not at all. Like, I mean, I would say the closest thing that got to it was Jeff Hanneman, who was the uh, lead guitarist who's, who died um, a couple of years back. Didn't he get like a spider bite? Yeah, that and was he, it. And he got neocrosis off it or yeah. something. That's fucking terrifying. Is that not the most metal way to die, by the way? I know uh, that's, that's really true. true. Yeah, it, yeah. But like, uh, I don't know, big like fireball of... 
like you know, Spinal Tap, like die on the on a, drum set on the back of a Harley Davidson or something. I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, but um, he apparently collected um, Nazi memorabilia, which is just something you should never do, in my opinion. I don't care. I don't care if you're a historian. That's I, uh, the thing. I just, like, I just don't. It's like, it's like there's things you can't, in my opinion, you just shouldn't do. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there's like, okay, buy man. it and fucking burn it. Like, yeah, like that's don't like buy it. Why would you exchange money for that stuff? That's right. I mean, it's there's a whole steal it and then burn it. Yeah, like it's it's yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's like I understand. And again, like this is not like an area I want to get into too hard because like I'm you know like but like maybe someone's like look I'm there's the it's bizarre because you get like footballers on occasion like Wayne Hennessy for Crystal Palace like was like you know I'm I might even ask you to cut this out because I'm just going to ramble now but like. I understand if someone develops a fascination with history. I, I, sure. I look, look at many films there are about World War Two and like, of course. You know, but I, I, I think I draw the line <laughs> if like I walk into like you know, like it's the classic gag of like you know you go home with someone you meet them in a club or whatever like you walk into the room and like oh there's a swastika you're yeah. like I'd be like well good night you know <laughs> like, see ya uh, and they're like no I'm I'm an academic I'm like I I, I don't care I like, don't care I man. just don't think you should, I just that that you know call me a call me a square from the past but I don't think you should have Nazi memorabilia Nazi memorabilia <laughs> like, like, like you. So what was what was Jeff Hanneman's r- rationale? I mean, his rationale was was that like he's really really interested in history and World War Two. And like, there you go. And you look at their discography, and a lot of their songs are. And I mean, they're not like Sabaton, where they're writing entire albums about like you know the Prussian campaign of nineteen eighteen or some bullshit. Like, but like <laughs> they do have a lot of their songs do have that. And like that's the same with Iron Maiden. Like Bruce Dickinson, like you know, wrote one of his best, one of Iron Maiden's best songs, "Ace Is High," is you know this big jaunt about you know the RAF and World War Two and the Battle of Britain and stuff like that. You know that kind of way. It just so happens that Jeff Hanneman's thing was Nazi Germany. Now I don't think he, I, I certainly don't think he was a white supremacist, considering the fact that Tom Araya is not white. I mean, he's from Chile, so. You know, I don't really think. <laughs> There's also a level here as well. I should say as well, yeah. where a lot of Slayer fans simply do not get into these conversations. That's the thing. I've, I like. I just like how it sounds. It would be that I think if you did an exit poll at a Slayer gig, I'm pretty sure most fans don't care about politics, yeah. or the deeper questions thereof, and enjoy being challenged in this kind of. This music is going to rip my face off, and it's escapism for me. That's it. That's a hundred percent. That's exactly. And I will it. say, you know, like God hates us all. This album that this song comes from, mm. I was absolutely fascinated by the sonics of it, and I, you know, I was also very much going through my like fuck religion, bro, yeah, phase, sure. hardcore at the time. So I appreciated the sentiment in that regard, but mm-hmm. I was mostly just taken away by the sonic fucking power yeah. of what was happening on that record. Like it's so, it's so bassy, and it sounds like it's just really round in a way that, and I say round, I mean like. You can feel the the waves of it, whereas you listen to something like Napalm Death and you just feel like you're listening to Static <laughs> for three minutes. And sometimes that's all you want, like, you know what I mean? Sometimes we that's read co- an entire album of that, you know, so... Yeah, exactly. Like, sometimes you're like, cool. No, like, no, it's just all treble? Fantastic. Keep playing it. But then with something like God Hates Us All, and I would argue Christ Illusion is a sim- is a kind of a, a one-two. Oh, it's almost it. like a sequel. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. It's very similar. Like they have a, there's a great song Christ Illusion called Jihad, which I would encourage people to look at. And again, even the song titles alone are just provocative. Yeah, it's that's just like it. It's, like yeah. it's, it's always provocative. Like that's it. I do think at its core. Slayer and this song is provocative and I think why I picked this song particularly 
is because there are no politics in this song. There are no, you know, problematic overtones in this song. This is just like, I hate this person so much. I'm going <laughs> to sing about it for, not even sing, I'm going to scream about it for three and a half minutes. Kerry, hit the fucking, hit the bass. Let's go. Right, so for my number five, because um, we could talk about this all day. Yeah, uh, and, and well, no, we're, we're going to continue in this vein because if you want, a, like, if you want someone who is a problematic frontman, Oh yeah. Uh, and a band I don't really love, but I, again, I just find this song in particular is undeniable. Here's my number five. What do you say? Respect. Walk. Are you talking to me? Respect. Walk. What do you say? Respect. So that's Walk by Pantera. Yeah. So we'll get to that in a second. Um, you want to talk about Metal Ways to Die? Dimebag Daryl yep. getting shot dead on stage when he was in another band called Damage Plan. And again, no one's no one's mocking any of this. I'm just no, saying, no. like that is a very metal way to die. That's a very, very metal way to die, yeah. Horrible. Um, Horrible. So this is Walk by Pantera, a band I never quite loved, tried to. One mm. of my friends was big into them, and I almost felt that they were kind of you know, I know there's the big four and stuff, but like yeah. but I feel like Pantera and Slayer were always just like in this weird kind of like Premier League, you know, top of the table clash or something. I definitely prefer Slayer over Pantera, but there are Pantera songs I do like. This is Walk, you know, kind of like Rob Van Dam came out to this in ECW. I love I'm Broken. I think yeah. it's amazing. Um, I and like they're a weird band because they were like they were this glam hair metal band to start with. Yeah, Cowboys from Hell was this real kind of like almost power metal man of war. Yeah, you listen to songs like Cemetery Gates, and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But it was you know it was intriguing in a very camp point of view. But then they just decided, no, no, we're scuzzy stoner types actually. And that was what worked for them for a long time. But yes, you did say, and you are correct, and I want to clarify that I'm in no way endorsing the views Same. of the frontman of Pantera, Phil Anselmo. Yep. You said that you did not pick this, or Pantera. Why? I picked it because I was like, I am not fucking, I am not touching that one. Um, yeah. like, so Phil Anselmo has been accused of being a white supremacist, basically. He has. And he was uh, photographed giving a white power salute at Which a Which we do not endorse on this show, and I'm in no way, and I know picking the song leaves me open for what the fuck are you doing, Dave. I came at this from, like, what are the thrash metal songs that I know? What are the ones that I grew up listening to when I was yeah. younger? What do I think genuinely work in, within their own context? Obviously, listen, I don't know if Phil Anselmo is a card-carrying white supremacist. If he is, fuck him. Yeah. And fuck all white supremacists, just to get that out there yeah. right now. <laughs> But we're dealing with thrash metal, and unfortunately, yeah. that, that's that we're going to rope up against this. This is going to be the problem. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's weird. I always thought Pantera were. I thought they had like maybe two, three good songs. I agree. Yeah, I think generally they're work has always been very very scattershot like you know you'd look at an album like that like Far Beyond Driven you've got that song well this is off Vulgar Display of Power oh shit sorry which of course has the the artwork of a man getting punched in In the the face face. yes Far Beyond Driven has like a drill going through his skull that's it and there's some yeah like again I'm just like it it all felt like whatever bit Slayer being try hard edgelords there was an arse to it with Pantera it just felt like lads fucking around yeah yeah wearing clothes that don't quite fit or something like it didn't and like, I think as well, like, I mean, you know, you listen to albums like The Great Southern Trend Kill, and it's just like, are you just like taking words out of a, a, out <laughs> a dictionary, just slamming to be like, yeah, fuck it, that works. Um, yeah, I, I just, 
as you've you've kind of you've kind of taken my point there. Like as much as Slayer were kind of like tryhard edge lords, being provocative, being kind of like we're going to make as much noise as possible and fuck you up as much as possible. Pantera just felt like it was Earthsats. It always felt like they were trailing slayer it was like they were kind of like we're the ones that are coming after you well not even not in a sort of in a in a an aggressive kind of way but like they were the next generation down do you know yeah, that yeah. sort of and of course next... phil and sam would start a band called down and get into the whole stoner metal he was in them wasn't yeah. he uh, and they actually had some really good stuff and it should be said as well that the white supremacy element to pantera like or rather to phil and selmo you mm. know arrived much later in the day like nobody was buying well not nobody but i wasn't buying this album you know when i was a teenager knowing anything about that. No, of course. And that's, I was just like, oh, it's a hard metal album, get it. You know, your friends say it's good. Exactly. Um, and like, you know, when they like rock up and have like, you know, the, the Confederacy flag. Fuck their, that as at well. Gigs, <laughs> you're kind of like, at the time you're like, oh, all right. So it's They're from the South. I mean, I guess that's how it's done over there. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah you I wouldn't have the education. Exactly. You wouldn't think twice about it. And now with a bit of awareness and a kind of, I suppose, a maturity, you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh. So oh. what you're saying is we should move on. Let's move on. What I will say is uh, I'm picking walk for historical context reasons, I don't Rob Van Dam, yeah. Rob, and Rob Van Dam using it as his entrance theme. Yeah, easy you know? dub. So that's my number five. Uh, hopefully my, my, my most problematic by far. Uh, let's have your number four. So that's uh, um The band is Saddam and the album is Agent Orange. Um, the reason why I picked this and kind of it was in conversation with Slayer is Saddam are a German metal band and a lot of their music is anti-war. And not only is I was it... I going to say, please tell me that they're not Nazis. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like what, is, what is this podcast turning no. into? <laughs> no, like that's the thing. I'm going to watch Green Room tonight to go home just to be like... You know, just trying. But that's a very similar. Like I know, Green Room is is. I love that film. Hell of a film. Hell of a film. And I, when I was watching Green Room, it really did get that thing of like, I love this music. I love how aggressive it is. I don't subscribe to any of the people that are at this game. No, as they say at the start of the movie, and they pay for it, unfortunately, but they do say Nazi punks, fuck off, yeah, die Kennedys, and that's something that we endorse. I I can't, I can't stress it harder. Cannot stress that enough. But also, um, in terms of a musical perspective here, because like the sound of this, this is this is familiar. This isn't familiar for me. I don't really know this. Um, like I was looking through like lists and stuff, and I was like, someone put like Ace of Spades by Motorhead in a in, in a list for thrash metal. Yeah, but I was yes, like, I saw that but well. I was like, is it thrash metal or is it punk? Because and that this to me sounds like Ace of Spades. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it has a very very similar punk vibe it's to a drum it. pattern. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And that's now you could play that to a thrash metal person, and they'd say, oh, that's thrash metal, and you could count ten songs that have that exact same. Yeah, kind and of, of course, as we all know, metal has. A ludicrous amount of sub genres and completely, so, like, you know, we're not like I. This is a general scattergun approach. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like, but there are a lot of crossover between punk and metal. A, a lot of it, like, I mean, there's a lot more kind of I don't want to say musicality, but there's certainly a lot more expertise, right? And you're also assuring me that these are wholesome men who hold nice beliefs about the world. Yes. Now, the reason why I picked Saddam was because they're a German metal band, but also as well is is that that song is literally about the idea of there is no 
there is no coming back from war. We're going to be bombed out. Like, ausgebombed means bombed out in German. And, like, the course of the song is, is learn from the past, learn from the past, no trade with war, no trade with death. And, you know, like, obviously, you know, you look at, like, sociologically speaking, at Germany, like, you have, like, the German winter, like, the RAF and all that kind of stuff, the Red Army faction. The fact that Germany had to confront its Nazism and go through that process of denazification, then, obviously, that would, you know, filter into, you know, art and music and all the rest of it. And then that comes down to a metal band. And, of course, as we as we were just talking about, there are uncomfortable... Uh, you know, our uncomfortable attachments to neo-Nazism and white supremacy. But here's a German metal band that are like, no, we've literally lived through this. It's all fucking wrong. Don't do it. Please stop. It's all terrible. And here's a song about it. And that's how it's kabumped. Um, obviously, you know, you didn't know what I was going to pick, you know, the, the running order of this, but like, it's terrifying how it's flown so far <laughs> like it's like we've had the you know like the horrible little kind of like you know foray into like bad territory but now like you know you're putting a salve on it which i appreciate yeah, you know that was it it's it's, it's that's why I, that's why i picked saddam was because like i'm not like if we start off with Sarah, it's like yes yes there is neo-nazi <laughs> issues with this so we'll yeah we'll quickly yeah like let's no, no no but here's the here's the other example of it like here's the other extreme if you like here's a german metal band that are actively anti-nazi Anti so okay. yeah right okay uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in gonna here change the tone <laughs> I, I, I think I am gonna change the Adam tone Adam picked the next song I picked this one and it's got a big nostalgia factor for me and I'll get into why after the okay, I'm just thinking you know why don't you give me a Pepsi she goes no you're on drugs I go mom I'm okay I'm just thinking she goes no you're not thinking you're on drugs no no people don't act that way I go mom just give me a Pepsi please all I want is a Pepsi and she wouldn't give it to me all I wanted was a Pepsi, just one Pepsi, and she wouldn't give it to me, just a Pepsi. Give my shirt with my sleeves, I'm gonna back to see a thief, just be happy, just lazy, it's the first day I'm straight. Oh, I'm not crazy, here's the tutor, you're the one that's crazy, here's the tutor, you're trying to be crazy, here's the tutor. They stick me in and this tutor said what, the only tutor you need from the club to take it from the enemy myself. When it came to trash metal, right? I had no clue. Like, I was going in completely blind because this was an area of the world of music that I have. Who is this? I, I, I'll get to it. Uh, I can't that, believe you're, you're going into a polemic here about yeah, this. Yeah, like. uh, come on. We, we need it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I, like, you know, I had no idea. And I, I was looking up, like, the history of the genre and I looked up, like, you know, the Wikipedia page of notable artists and this, that and the other. And the one that came... It, that it, like that kind of like jumped out at me from the page was this band Suicidal Tendencies and that is Institutionalized which is a song I remember from the soundtrack of Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX 2 on the PlayStation 2 and that's the nostalgia factor for me but again I remember from Clerks I'm pretty sure it's on the soundtrack yeah, of Clerks it had a lot of placements but also like I and again this is where I'm like you know not to get too hardcore into the weeds here but like I listened to the song a bunch I don't know how this is thrash metal. This sounds to me like grunge spliced yeah. with like stoner rock spliced with something kind of like hardcore. Yeah, hardcore. In there but again, too. like like I don't like I I I'm not a professor of thrash metal, guys. I I don't teach a course in it. 
And again, does my prerequisite at the start there because but I this, really don't know but what. But this is this is this song is cited in a lot of lists. Yeah, it and is. And yeah. the band are like hailed as a thrash metal band. I mean, like again, my kind of you know leaning of thrash metal is stuff we've already heard, particularly Slayer. But I guess uh, it certainly qualifies. But like, I find the. This song is fucking mental as it's, well. Like a gen, like it's a headache. I feel, yeah, no, it is, and like it's. I think it does exactly what it says in the tin in terms of like with the lyrics and this situation where it's essentially it's written by Mike Muir, um, and it, it kind of. I don't know if it's coming from a place of reality at all, but like it, it's him kind of having a conversation with his parents essentially as a teenager in his room where his parents are, as you heard there, like I just, I found, genuinely found that hilarious when I was listening back to it. Like, like you know, it's serious, serious matters, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but like, you know, at the same time when it's a case of like, just get me a Pepsi. No, you're on drugs. Like, <laughs> you know, to listen to that is just absolutely bananas. But again, it's like the kind of, in the last, I suppose, verse, it's a case of like the mom and dad sit down with him and we're like, we think you're a danger to yourself and others because you've been going off for absolutely no reason. Like at the drop of a hat, one being in the previous verse, obviously when he just asked for a Pepsi and his mom said no, because she thought he was on drugs and he flips out at the end. And it's just like that cycle, cycle, cycle can continuously. Yeah. And like the song, you know, like I say, I say it sounds like a headache. It sounds like people, you know, having an argument and that's, it's obviously very much by it design. It exactly what, it's, yeah, what it sets out. I was, I was, I was in work today and I was like, you know, at the moment, like, you know, I'm kind of like, I've got a head cold, I can't shake. I've had a very hectic week so far and there's been all kinds of just like, you know, juggling, spinning a lot of plates and stuff. And I've, I found myself, I, I was in work today and I, I was just like, you know, washing my hands in the in the bathroom and I was looking in the mirror and I had this in my ears and I, I, it got to a point where I was like it was so intense and I literally was like I pulled my in-ears out and I was like Adam what the fuck it, it I was like because <laughs> it speeds up yeah but as well I, 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 there's two things I want to if you, get if you feel like you've got vertigo or a lack of equilibrium or something which I've kind of been feeling a bit lately oh, yeah, I literally, I literally was like I was like <laughs> yeah, it's too much. like it's, it's very it's it very accomplished it's very impressive but I was just like and listen I'm, I'm a Dillinger Escape Plan fan you know I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing the. It's just noise thing because it's not. It's actually. Re- it's a great song, yeah. but I. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it is. It's a lot. And like the two, there, there are two things I want to kind of close out with it on um, before kind of opening it up to the floor. If there's anything you kind of want to say about it, but the one thing I will say is like this was a song that was written a long time ago before there was any kind of real, you know public awareness shall we say about mental health issues and like I don't want to detract from that at all by like you know f- finding the, the content of the lyrics funny in that regard I just no, think it's, it's the presentation that's, of yeah, it yeah no but yeah that's, yeah, that's fine so though, just like to, yeah just to I, I put that out it's there it's caustic commentary as well though like like I mean it's like a, a song can can have a very deep meaning but also be funny like yeah. like, like it's clearly meant to be it's coming from a place of that I think you know in terms of like absurdity absurdity yeah, yeah the satire of it yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally yeah. and the second thing is suicidal tendencies have had some notable past members do we That's, know who they are I know at least one of them who, and who is that uh, his name is Rob Trujillo also known as uh, the, the crab man <laughs> well there is another past member who's very notable Rob Trujillo who of course went on to join Metallica after their greatest album of all time St. Anger which Ian 14 wasn't on that, but, that um, is not who I was getting at who were you getting at Thundercat Oh yeah, Jesus! Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Bass player Thundercat yeah. used to play bass. He um, nearly made the news section this week. He wrote a song for Listerine. Okay, he what? First, fair play. He, to he him. wrote a song for Listerine. It's, fair it's, play, it's man. It's part of a diversity thing, so it's a, it's a good thing, and, okay, I'm, cool. and I'm sure he got a nice paycheck. I absolutely deservedly so. Another 
um, notable past member is the now drummer of Foo Fighters, Josh Reese. Yeah, he's been in a ton of bands. Yeah, he's though. been around. He was in he's a perfect circle for a time. Was he in like No Effects? Maybe like he's in a bunch yeah. of stuff. Yeah, there was been, a drummer, one of those guys. You know, yeah. yeah, there was a drummer for Mega that Jimmy DeGrasso that was in Suicidal Tendencies as well. The, like, uh, oh yeah, it's the, massive. The like, list of past yeah, members. Dillinger Escape Plan. The same way. If you ever go to Dillinger Escape Plans, just mention them again. Like, if you look at past members, it genuinely is like a, like a, a, a squad of a football. Team, but like, I, to be fair, like it's kind of similar. It's like and, and Ben Wyman, who's been there since the start, but sorry, go on. yeah, 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 like Mike Patton and all that. But like, I don't know, like with Math Rock and all that kind of stuff. Like you do, kind of like I think it's a thing of like it physically exhausts people and like I can't play this anymore. Probably, I, yeah. I, I I can't do this. Like I mean, you listen to, you know, Dillinger or Save Plan. You listen to any of those songs, and you're like, how is how the hell do they play them and live? tour and go out and yeah. you know I'm like what like I mean yeah it's nuts I mean like that's why like you see like the front man from Dino Escape Panel like he's a tank you're like oh, yeah, of course does- like yeah fucking an under like like Greg Pucciato like like a ridiculously like ripped human being it's like Henry Rollins like, yeah. you know like yeah. when he was going around for Black Flag like and he was like bench pressing like because he was like no 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 I've got to be ready for this bench game. pressing the amps on the stage yeah, probably, yeah like, you know? crazy shit yeah but it's interesting you said that about you had to take the ears out like I would freely admit. I don't listen to thrash metal on a regular basis. I think I have to be in the mood it's for mood it. mood music, yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's like necessarily I'm very, very angry and I want to listen to thrash metal because I don't think that ever helps. It's energetic. It gives you a boost. I mean, it's it's energetic. It gives you a boost. It's not, yeah, sometimes it's I'm pissed off, but it's not like that, that's not usually my go-to like, no. thing. Yeah. Same. Like, if I'm I, pissed off, I usually want to find music that will calm me yeah, down. Like literally like I'll throw on like that gorgeous 25-minute God moving over the face of the waters. Thank you. I only listened oh, to that recently oh, as well. Oh, man. Fantastic. I had it on and work. Yeah, I've done it twice now. Twice now, I've taken my earphones out and blasted into the office. And people are like, "What the fuck are you listening to?" And I'm like, "It's, it's a, truth. It's a Moby from the end of Heat, slowed down yeah. by about two hundred. I'm like, yeah. But yeah, no, no, it's that thing. Of, yeah, metal gets that cliche thing of like, you know, oh, it's all just aggro, aggro, aggro. And yeah, that's part of it. But like, no, no, it's yeah. I don't throw on Slayer if I'm in a bad mood. Maybe Same. I do. Maybe I do. Anyway, um, uh, before we move on, I counted the amount of past members. Do we have any guesses as to for suicidal tendencies? Thirteen. Uh, no, seventeen. 33. Fuck! Oh. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so great. Someone was very difficult to work with, it would seem. Speaking anyway. of numbers, Brian, can we have your number three? Give us a bit of an intro this time. Mm, okay. Tease it out. Tease it out. Uh, I would... Mm, I picked this song because, well, first of all, it's a live version of it. And I feel that the live experience in thrash metal is something we should absolutely talk about. And I think this song captures the live experience as as cleanly and as uh, as prominently as it can. I actually was watching you. Sorry, the song is Whiplash. It's from Live Ship, Binge and Purge. The band is Metallica. Uh, released, I think, in 1991. You couldn't get it in Ireland for years. Right. I don't know why that was. You could not get this. I'll give you a clue. The church. <laughs> no! I don't think it was that. I think it was like because... 
because it was released through like uh, I don't know I, I don't know why it was like, the label of a label that didn't have distribution in Ireland and the UK or something like exactly, that exactly yeah, yeah. probably something like that and, and you, I, were, you were watching me as that clip unfolded sorry. and you were just kind of like leaning back and it, it almost kind of felt like oh I remember the last time I went crowd surfing and all this kind of stuff <laughs> when was the last time you went crowd surfing I've never gone crowd surfing in my life really I, I never did it yeah I never had the balls wow yeah I Adam have it, you yeah. ever crowd surfed yeah in Fibbers Oh yeah, at a pop punk gig, and uh, I nearly headbutted the like monitors that were hanging from oh, the roof. Oh Jesus! Yeah, it's a it's a low ceiling in there. So. I will yeah. say though, when I went to see Converge in Wheelands back in I think it was 2010, there was a guy. There was there was a bit of crowd surfing going on at that, and myself and my friend were up the front, and we were like. We're holding the band's monitor amps in places they stood in our fingers. It was that kind of gig, and right. it was, it was, I wouldn't wouldn't trade a thing for the world. It was amazing. But there was crowd surfers, and we were kind of helping them out. But there was one guy I'll never forget. This, one guy who like who landed back first on my on, on the top of my head, oh. and I was like, okay, that could be a broken neck, and it wasn't. But I got lucky. I've never crowd surfed. Wow, Ever. I thought you would have totally been into that, Jazz. No, I, I love a good mosh, but I, I never crowd surfed. Actually, just because just I want to sync us up nicely, hmm. I'm going to throw my number three on top of this number three. Oh, yeah, cool. Because it's the same fucking band. Oh, nice. That is for him the bell tolls by Metallica, of course, and I should say that um, I, a song you know I've always liked it, but I must say, do you know why I've fallen in love with it anew in recent years? Oh, go on. Because of, in my opinion, wildly underrated <gasps> Triple Frontier. Yes. yes! <laughs> that, Come film, on. That, that film fucking sucks. You're I'm wrong. not having no. I'm you're, not having either wrong. of Triple these. Triple Frontier. I can't. It's the worst. I. I JC hours I can't get back, and I'm so sad about it. JC Shandor's. Uh, 2020, I think, yeah. was it? Um, Triple Frontier. It's on Netflix. It stars Ben Affleck, Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, Pedro Pascal, and Oscar Isaac. Yeah, so My you, short king. The short king, Oscar <laughs> Isaac. So you think it'd be better? I adore you this know? film. I think it's so much better than the reviews. And it starts off, and there's a moment where Oscar Isaac is, uh, he's like a private military kind of yeah. character kind of guy. He's in a helicopter. There's a raid going down. And bong, they play for whom the bell tolls as the helicopter zooms into focus. And I remember turning to Rich Chambers, and I was like, "Well, this is the best film I ever made." Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Metallica. Let's talk about Metallica. Yeah, let's. Talk I've about talked Metallica. about them to death on this podcast, Brian. I will allow you to have the microphone. <sighs> right. I don't want to be ageist. I really don't want to be ageist. And I think what James Hadfield and Lars Ulrich have created, you know. It's, it's, you know, one of the great bands. It is. It is one of the great bands. They should have stopped, like, probably after Reload, I think. I think everything that's come after Reload. I think the last two albums have been really good. They have an album out recently, don't they? 72 seasons. They do, yeah. yeah. 72 seasons, yeah. It's good. And Hardwired Self-Destruct is really good as well. I Now, I do feel that hardwired to self-destruct was almost as if they went into their archive of songs that they had written in 1986 and 1987 they're like okay let's record all these with modern things if if so good idea and great totally respect it totally enjoy it fantastic 
I feel that when Metallica tried to develop their sound and get a little bit experimental and kind of slow things down a little bit and be a bit more pensive and be a bit more... And, like, I, I understand that because, like, you know, for any artist, for any musician, you know, you don't want to end up like fucking ACDC where you're just, like, repeating the same song for the last 40 years. And there's no development and there's no kind of... I don't know. Um, yeah, there's no development of it. But at the same time, you can look at a band like Slayer and it's always been a sort of a, dist- a, dist- a distillation, if you know that kind of way. They've got something very pure. They know what works. They know how to funnel that into the sharpest version of whatever it is they're trying to say and do. We're only making diamonds in this band. Kind of, yeah. Like it's like, it's like if it's not, if it's and again, that's what I've always admired about Slayer is that there is a purity to it. Now, by the same token, I have I, I admire a band that tries and fails, and Saint Anger was a failure of a. If of we an didn't album. get Saint Anger, we don't get some kind of monster, the greatest and documentary of all time. And again, and I is some kind of monster. Like the last time I was on this podcast, in fact, you asked me about some kind of monster. You did a little voice note for us. I did a little voice note for you, and. I really feel that some kind of monster just... It was that thing of, like, I must put away childish things now and become a man. Because it was, like, any kind of mystique, any kind of, you know, little hero worship I had left over from Metallica. Dave Hanratty, that film killed it for me stone fucking dead. It just hacked its bones and just dumped them in front of me. And I was like, I can't listen to Metallica ever again. And this is the thing is like, I, you know, uh, I knew Lars Ulrich was a dickhead. I didn't realize how much of a dickhead he was. Because I like, the, there's a great documentary um, when they were doing um, the Black Album. And it's really good. It's actually very, like, very, you know, granular in details. Like, Bob Rock, you can see him physically aging as he goes along. And, like, Kirk Hammett throwing a strop in the middle of it because the solo that he did for Unforgiven was terrible and blah, 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 blah. But some kind of monster. Like, I... You've obviously seen the Bras documentary, yeah? Oh, after the screaming stops, yes. Yeah. And I and I, I that put is a those two. Of this podcast. I put those two together. On, they're they're on par. They are and, on par. And I I will never. I know I'm a broken record, but I will never stop. Whether it's this podcast, if I'm on national radio, if I'm in a fucking bar, whatever it is, if I get an opportunity to tell another human being to watch the Metallica documentary and also the Bras documentary, I will take that opportunity. There's a really good double bill in the two of them. Oh that, my god! Yeah. That is a that is a perfect double bill of you know egomaniacal insanity. <laughs> Insanity, like it's unbelievable. Um, so much hubris, it's just wonderful. Yeah. Sorry, just one, one thing though on Metallica, some kind of monster. You're saying that it, it kind of broke your Metallica relationship oh, yeah, completely. So, I want to ask you both, right? I pulled out my letterbox, that's what I have in front of me right All now. Right, right, in what month and what year? When was the last time I watched some kind of monster? In what month and what year? Ooh. Yeah, I'm gonna say December 2022. Brian. Yeah, I'll, I'll say recently enough. I'm going to go recently enough. I'm going to say like the start. Of, I'm going to say like February 2023. 14th of April 2023. Oh, crap. Four star review and one sentence and I wrote big old therapy session with my boys. I love I it. I do remember seeing it. I think I liked it too. Yeah, no, it's 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 a great documentary. Like, I mean, when the fucking psychologist thinks he's a part of the band and he's like, oh. But despite your misgivings and despite your, you know, Metallica should have packed it in, mm-hmm. you've obviously picked him for this top five. Yeah. You can't really talk about thrash metal without talking about Metallica. No, you can't. You can't have any conversation about it without mentioning them. And 
you know, I think that song in particular, I think it really does get the intensity of a live show. You've seen them live, I trust? I've seen, I've seen everyone, bar Saddam, I've seen all, or no, between Saddam and the next uh, song, I've seen them all live. Numerous times. How do you find Metallica? I've seen them live, I think, three times, maybe four, and I I always enjoy it. Yeah, they're always, it's always a good show. It's always a great show. Um, We figured out, we were both at the same show, in fact. Uh, Oh, yeah. Paris Paris 2018? No, uh, Slain, or not Slain. Was it Slain? It wasn't, I wasn't Slain. I, I went to their, the, the, the label flew, or someone, the promoters flew us over for like the Pyro show before the Slain jaunt. I think they just wanted to get some more coverage for it. Uh, I saw them in, when they had that weird tacked on download festival in Marriott Park in 2006, I want to say. Yeah, it might I have saw been. them the first time Rob Tugelo played because of course at the end the crowd were chanting for whiskey in the jar and Rob Tugelo didn't know how to play it so they couldn't play it, which is oh. mental that they would come to Dublin and, and not, not have whiskey. Like, what the fuck? And also, again, yes, I am that guy. I do like Metallica's cover of Whiskey in the Jar. Me too. It's fun. It's fun. I Their enjoy Mission it. Possible 2 song like. is amazing as well. Like. Um, um, no, it was it was um, Lincoln Park and The Darkness were supporting. Oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Yes, yes. Where was that? Was that Marley Park? I think that's Marley Park. Probably was Marley Park. We were both at that anyway, whenever mm-hmm. that was, 2006. I think that was the last time I saw them. I'm pretty sure that's the one where they couldn't do Whiskey in the Jar. I could Probably, be wrong. I could yeah. be wrong. I'm yeah. misremembering, but like, yes, yeah, so I've seen them about three times and it's always fun. It is always fun, yeah. And like, you know, I was at Ozfest um, way so back when. Yeah, yeah we, were at, we were at a lot of the same gigs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, like it's, I've always loved live shows. I haven't gone to one in years. Because a metal show or a Metallica show? A, a metal show, full stop. Okay. And I, it, it, it Have you seen me. Slipknot? No. Oh, man, I wasn't a big Slipknot guy. I think you'd appreciate the live show. I probably would. Because it's, yeah, like, it's, like, it's a show. Yeah, it's a production, it's a show. Like, I've, I've, I've seen people go who have been like, ah, oh, whatever, and then at the end of it, they're like, that was fucking unreal. I'm like, yeah, no, it's a show. It's a hell of a show. I know. I, re- I appreciate the, the-, the theatricality of it. Like, it's very Alice Cooper. It's, yeah, no, I get it. I, I I respect it. And I was really hacky about fucking Slipknot when I was younger. I was like, oh, no, no, but who needs it? Like, oh, no, that amount of drums, oh, you're ridiculous. Oh, that, that. It, and, like, it, Joey Jordison is a genius. Yeah. And, like, you know... The fact that he brought um, what's his face? You got Stuart Copeland from the police to take on double bass drums and stuff like that, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I've I haven't gone to a live show in years, and it bothers me. And I really wish I'd go to it, but like I'm just too old now. Like. I disagree. Like metal, metal shows. Like when I when I first started going to metal shows, there was like fucking lads in their sixties at them, and there still are. It's again not to paint the picture of the metal community as being this completely perfect utopia because there's no such thing no. as a completely perfect utopia. But like I think metal shows, you get all kinds. You do get all stripes, yeah, but it's I think. It's more just I oh, want to be able to the outcast, baby. Yeah. yeah, and like the last thing, like like you mentioned, ageism to start this section and how you don't want to get into it. But like Brian, if you don't go to a metal show in what your late thirties or whatever the fuck yeah. it is, are you not being ageist against yourself? <sighs> to I yourself? am a little, but that's mm-hmm. the thing. Now you see, because that's it. Because I was a fucking terror at metal shows. I, I was the one that would like try to climb the speakers and throw myself. You're not going to do that anymore. You're going to sit back. But know? that's the thing. But I miss being able to. do That's my point. I go to a metal show. I'm like, like, right, let's go. Just let's go to go. a local. Go to like Fibbers or something. Yeah, like probably. That. I know. Yeah, I, I keep telling myself I'm going to do it. And I anyway, like Metallica, it. mostly good, questionable, all the kind of stuff. But that's that, that's our combined number yeah. three. Uh, I think it's your choice now for number two because I. Because yeah. I jumped yes. in there, so yeah, so give us your runner-up. Uh, this band are, when I first heard them, I thought, oh great, these are great, when, when were these? I, I don't remember these. Like It sounded like a band from like 1987. And then I looked at their Wikipedia, and it's like, oh actually no, this was released in 2016, but when you hear this, you think, 
this is like straight out of the eighties, and not hair metal eighties. I'm talking like really like East Coast, East, you know, like really hard metal. So yeah. That was Power Trip, and the song was Executioner's Tax, Swing of the Axe. Um, what I loved about this song, what I love about Power Trip was, was that they were very much aware of the lineage of thrash metal. They were very much aware of the, I guess, the kind of the hardcore elements of it, you know, that sort of way. Like, I mean, a lot of kind of like thrash metal bands today are trying to go with that real kind of, technical wizardry and like they're trying to fit as many notes as they can they're doing the finger tapping and the harmonics and all that kind of stuff and like Zack Wilde and Black Label Society are kind of like that You'd like what's that Dragon Force band yeah that, like one of them yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly I know, I know what you're getting yeah like, like it's all about like you know production and like you know we're making this as big what was and the big Dragon Force on Through the Fire and the Flames was it something like that that was like the that, big yeah. viral hit at the time because it yeah. was all like look what these guys can fucking do yeah <laughs> right and then you listen to something like this and it's just so like bear, better, yeah, but it's like I haven't heard that before. You played that, and I, and I kind of turned to you, and I was like, "Nice." I was like, "Because it just has that nice gush, you know, like, guttural." Like, yeah, it's really old school. Yeah, it's real old school. Even school, the yeah. al- like, even the album cover has that real messed up paperback kind of um, the cover of a Doom uh, video game, video game yeah. kind of vibe. You know so what they call it again? Power Trip, is it? Power Trip, they're called, yeah. Right. Now, unfortunately, the lead singer, a guy called Riley Gale, he died uh, two oh, years ago. Yes, I remember reading about this. Yeah. yeah. He died of like a fentanyl overdose or whatever, yes. and it's really sad. And the yeah. band haven't put out anything since, and I think they're probably going to end up breaking up or whatever, and it's a shame because they were really going somewhere. I really do feel like if they had another album in it, they probably would have hit like I'm not saying mainstream but you know I think they were nominated for best metal performance at the Grammys one year and I think it was a live performance of this song they didn't win but um but yeah no it's it's really good and I I enjoy how uh, throwback it was without being hack you know that yeah, kind of way like yeah. it felt very much we're taking all the original elements and forming something kind of new but not new but something that is really kind of got something to say and like the guy Riley Gale as well seemed like a very clued in guy I was reading an interview with him on Loudwire and he talked about what we've been talking about the fact that there is an uncomfortable uh, amount of uh like it's not to say that thrash metal is a warm house for white supremacy and neo-nazis but it's there and it's not cool and we should reject it and we should absolutely get those people out of it as quickly. It's got to be f- tough as well if, if, you know, if you are, and of course we hope that everyone is, like, you know, anti-Nazi and you're at a show and you're the front man, you're looking at the crowd and maybe yeah. there's someone in the crowd that you're like, oh no, I don't want that guy on my show. Yeah. But, like, how do, you, how do you police that? Exactly. And that's, and that he talks about it in the interview that he's like, look, I don't know how to stop people. I mean, I can't 
you know, I can't be at, I can't be bouncing people at, at the, the door. door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't physically do it. And obviously, as how, well. And how are you going to ever like? How are you going to know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, as well, unless it's literally time? staring you in the face. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. and even and maybe yeah, then maybe you stop showing. You're like, get the fuck out or something. But like, it's a very precarious. And, and, and metal shows are where people people go to metal shows. Nervous, you're talking about crowd yeah. surfing, like you know, people go to metal shows to slam into other people. Yeah, hopefully in a friendly way. Very pick, much. Pick so. them up if they fall down. But like, it is all about release. That's it what, is like like a circle pit is just this ball of energy that is amazing to be in the middle of and it's mm. fantastic. Do you ever see like, I didn't, I considered picking them but I was like, is a thrash metal? I, I considered picking like Redneck by Lamb of God and again, yeah. I say this out loud hoping the guy from Lamb of God is nice. Don't know if he is. Yeah. When, didn't they? Didn't someone die at a Lamb of God show and there was a, a, a legal issue? The only reason I mention this is because, you know, they do that thing where it's like, here's the wall of fucking death or yeah. whatever and it's like, you know, the singer goes into the middle and like guys run into it like it's a, like it's Braveheart or something. Yeah. And again, like, you know, I can appreciate if you're like, if, if you're not into metal whatsoever, you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, like, it's interesting because, like, this is what happens in metal shows. It is. And then you see it at a pop show, you know, you see it like a Billie Eilish gig or something. And I've said this before, but, like, when I went to see Billie Eilish at Electric Picnic in 2019, I, I felt more overwhelmed by the crowd experience there than I have at the metal shows I've been to throughout my life because the etiquette isn't there. Right, And that's yeah. why you see it at hip-hop shows as well. And this is not me, like, you know, looking to just say that all hip-hop fans or all pop fans yeah. don't know how to behave at shows. It's not that. It's more that, like, you know, an incredibly young, energetic crowd who might be at the a gig for the very first time and they're heroes on stage. It's just not established enough at yeah. that point. Um, and it's not just young people. Like, you know, you, obviously I saw middle-aged people at Billy Eilish who just had no etiquette. But that's also, like, again, you put enough people in a fucking room or a field. It'll get it'll You're going to get jerks. It's yeah. just going to happen. But, but like, like, I like think, say, I think at metal shows, there's an established kind of... Yeah, it is. there's a knowingness that you're going into a scenario that this is going to happen. Yeah. This is going and you to will be still present. get a prick. Like, I, you know, I, yeah, of course. But, like, generally, the, uh, from my experience, I look, I, I know it's... I've had very limited experiences at shows like that because it's just not a genre that I've partook in the live experience of very much. But it's always been very positive. It's always been very um, communal. It's always been like, it, it's like, like, as in people's safety is prioritized. Yeah. It, even though there's people throwing fucking elbows at each other in very close proximity. Do you know what I mean? If someone goes down, everyone tries to get them yeah. back up. Like it's priority number one. Um, yeah, and if someone, in that regard, it's like, like you say, it's an established practice almost. Yeah, and again, like I say, like it's not to say that bad shit doesn't happen because, of course, those accidents happen, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm. It's not. There's no perfect system at any gig whatsoever, but it is an interesting contrast. And this song rules. What's it called again? The song is called Executioner's Tax Swing of the Axe. Uh, by the band is uh, Power Trip. Okay. Brilliant. Number, I, I would, I, it, it's so good. I will be checking them out. Um, number two for me, um, speaking of bands I was terrified of when I was younger, well, not quite terrified, but the, again, this felt like on a level where I was like, oh, that's, that artwork's frightening. Those vocals are, t are really scary, and I, I was a bit frightened by these guys. Yeah, Brazil's finest. It's Sepultura. 
and roots, bloody roots. Um, Max Cavalera, frontman, uh, yeah. later replaced by I think it was a guy called Derek Green. Correct. And then did it go back to Max Cavalera? Because Max Cavalera did. left and formed Soulfly. That's right. And I would have got actually into Soulfly before Sepultura, I think, because obviously Soulfly were very much at the forefront of the new metal. And you can hear the start. Yeah. You can kind of hear the start of new metal there, can't you? Totally. The kind of the obviously the tribal rhythms come from you know from their native Brazil, but like just the way it's weaved in, and then the kind of the vocal pitch change, the production choice on the vocals they're coming out of that. That does feel like, you know, New Metal is just around the corner. But Sepultura are one of those bands that I just, I found it hard to get into them fully. I think, you know, this is incredible. The album's amazing as well, Roots. Uh, songs like Refuse, Resist, also incredible. Mm. Like like really powerful, kind of tectonic, rhythmic, just very grab you, you know, and, you know, shake you up type stuff. Yeah. But I didn't find a ton of substance in it, I think. Really. No, yeah, that's fair. Like, yeah. I, like, I think Max Cavalera is an incredible force. Yeah. I don't know if he's much to say. But he's a yeah. hell of a performer and a hell of a, you know, just like a, a, a figurehead for what he does. Soulfly was kind of similar. I remember like buying the albums, again, based off the back of Kerrang. I was going to say, they were in Kerrang nonstop, I remember Yes, that. and I was expecting to be like, well, this is going to be, I'm going to fall hard for this. And I, I liked it. I thought it was good. This is better. Like, Sepultura is a better band. It is. You can't, you can't say it isn't. They did great covers as well. Like they did, they did, um... They did a cover of Symptom of the Universe um, the black, for the Nativity in Black album. And then that guy, the guy that replaced Max Cavalera, they, with that lineup of the band, they did a cover of Bullet the Blue Sky, the oh, U2 no. song. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's fantastic. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. And, like, again, I think you've mentioned that there, like, Brazil, like, I mean, a lot of countries have... In, have uh, a thrash metal scene. Like, Canada has, like, a big four band. Uh, like it's like Annihilator, Creator, and something else, and you know Germany has a thrash metal scene. Brazil has a thrash metal scene. Ireland had a thrash metal scene. I mean, like Siege of Limerick is a big show every year. The, like a lot of thrash metal bands go down to it and stuff like that. So I kind of, I guess it speaks to the universality of it. Nice um, word. I mean, yeah. even like, but even this kind of the sound. And like, granted, this is like an American band, but it's like it is Latin metal. Yeah. Like you went to Ozfest, Il Nino. Yeah, fucking El Nino. Remember yes. them? Remember El Nino? I remember El Nino. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they God, were great. God save us. Yes. How, how can I live? Yeah, and they they were a lot of fun at, at Ozfest. Were Deftones at Ozfest? I don't think so. No, I don't think they I were. But Chino so. Marino, like, there's a Latin guy. Like, okay, it's new metal, but like, well, Adam yeah. actually was toying with the idea of putting in a Deftones song, and I was like, I just don't think the qualifiers thrash. It's just slightly too. Yeah. Uh, what was the one that you chose removed. again? Um, I can't remember. I'm going to open up Back our... Back to school, uh, probably, was open it? Open up our WhatsApp No, or was here. it like Keep Quiet and Drive Far Away? Maybe? That's Ooh, what it was. Yeah. Drive yeah. Far Away. Yeah, Drive Far Away. But it's more yeah. like... Deftones tend to just like have that kind of sleepiness to a lot of what they, uh, in a good way. Yeah, like, melodicness. Like yeah, digital bath. There's a lot going on. It's more than just like, here's a punchy song, usually. Yeah, and it's a bit too... It's and again, a, it's but a they, bit too but, glossy, you know? But they're in that weird bracket where like... Anytime someone says Deftones are new metal, everyone gets really fucking pissed off. And I, I, I appreciate that. Because they're because not new metal, but they're not thrash metal. They're just their own kind of weird... Yeah, yeah, they are. They sit in their own lane, and that's like... Really, I really respect that, because... And they're incredible. It, to, yeah, but like to be in a subgenre of metal, like you say, they're, it's, it's a, there's an obscene amount of them. Like yeah. it, it, To be able to kind of be in the middle of all of them and not fit in any yeah. one of them is it, something to be really commendable. You wouldn't call them post-rock, like, no? I don't know. Again, it, that's another phrase that's very... to it. Yeah, but again, enough. yeah. But again, like, I mean, like, in fairness, like, I know this started from picking a Sepultura song, but, like, I think the point of this top five and the way I've approached it and the way you've approached it as well is, like, to have an overall commentary on the genre mm. at large um, and just those kind of weird facets, whether it's something as, you know, 
wildly problematic as straying into like, oh fuck, is this, how bad is this, to just, you know, the sonics of it as well. Like it is a fascinating genre mm. and like it's endless and labyrinthine and I found it really hard to get a gauge on it really. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a genre of music that you can kind of get an easy grip on, you know, that sort of way. I don't think there's a hell of a lot of accessibility. I think, you know, and it's exhausting to keep up with it as well. Like, yeah, I, do oh, think I certainly that, haven't fucking tried. Like, I mean, yeah, again. no, same. Like, I mean, I stopped listening to Metallica after Saint Anger. I stopped listening to Megadeth after, you know, the world needs a hero. I stopped listening to Slayer after Christ Illusion. So, like, you know, I think people kind of fall in and out of it. Like, I mean, for a lot of people, I think thrash metal and metal generally was a formative genre. I was gonna say, like, yeah, because I remember. Like going into all of these these bands and like looking at those kind of big long lists of who was like the you know like the big ten bands of the genre or whoever is all these lists. Like I was in a band with a guy, Chris Murphy. I will say he's not going to be listening to this. He lives in Canada, right? And has lived. <laughs> you in can Canada get the podcast in Canada. Yeah, but he's I, he's a bit of a guy off the grid now. He, um, but I was in a band with with uh, Chris and. He was very into all of this yeah. stuff, and it was like I, I, I remember kind of hearing all that in the early stages of, you know, he was like, "Oh, this is what I would listen to when, you know, I was like fourteen, fifteen, or whatever," and we were a little bit older at this point in the band, and he just like wasn't anywhere near that stuff anymore. And it was the same. There was like a couple of he had a friend. His name was Cormac, um, who I've seen recently. I think he listens to. I think he listens to the podcast, Cormac Tunstead, uh, shout out if he does, but he would have listened to all of that back then as well. And like, again, kind of grew, you grew into newer it. stuff, like yeah. kind of more, like there was like gent metal, which is a bit more abstract and a bit more kind of um, mathy in yeah. terms of time structures and, or time signatures and things like that. They kind of both grew into that and then went further into, you know, more melodic stuff. Anyway, it was always kind of at the back. So yeah. I did, like that was something that was kind of in my mind as well when I was looking through Oh yeah, no, this whole, like, that top five was, like, literally, like, a trip down memory lane, really, like, and I mean, I I just put Power Trip in um, purely out of, like, hey, they're actually still making some decent thrash metal, like, it's actually, it's still good, like, they're still doing it, like, the, the work is still being done, but yeah, I do think, like, there's a simplicity to it, there's an undeniable simplicity to the as much as we're saying like it's so labyrinthine and there's so many subgenres and there's this and there's that, there is an element of simplicity to yeah, it. Yeah, of course. I mean, that, that you can't deny. Like, yeah. Well, let's let's finish off our lists because we are at the wrap up stage, but we still have one song left each. So, can we have your number one? Yeah, I picked this song because I wanted to talk about the lead singer of the band, and I feel this is the best song off their best album. Megadeth, the song is Devil's Island, the album is Peace Sells But Who's Buying. The frontman is Dave Mustaine, and now I know why you don't like some kind of monster. They yeah. did your boy dirty. They did my boy dirty, but no, look, right, I am... Dave Mustaine is a class A scumbag of the highest order. I'm sorry, but how do you fire your drummer of how many years when he's in hospital with an injury that he sustained while he was playing in your band. That literally happened. Look it up. 
Dave Mustaine fired Nick Menza, who was the drummer of Megadeth through Rust and Peace, uh, Symphony of Destruction, Trust, uh, or sorry, Cryptic Writings. You know, like there's some of their biggest, biggest albums. He went in to get like his knee sorted out or something like that, and he couldn't tour. And Dave Mustaine called him up and said, "Your services are no longer required." And click, and then hired Jimmy DeGrasso from Suicidal Tendencies. And he's fired other people too, has he? He has fired so many people; it's unbelievable. I'm gonna go and get the list of past members up again. <laughs> you can like, there's, it's not as bad now as Suicidal Tendencies. So not thirty three. Not thirty three. Do you think that his addiction to fire Firing people stems from him being fired by Metallica. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And he'd find that out if he went to some therapy. I and do you know what? You're dead right. I think that man is has been reliving the messy and this is why I picked this song and picked Megadeth and kept it to the end <laughs> sorry to jump in here go on I just went into past members and it just has a link saying full list <laughs> <laughs> download, download the PDF I here I swear to god this is there's tables there's tables <laughs> on this thing you go, I'm gonna sort this out talk amongst yourselves but yeah so like why I picked this up because like another element of thrash metal that we haven't talked about is is the messy, messy the drama. logistics, the admin, and the, the messy drama, the messy drama of thrash metal, and it does not get more messy than you know when Dave Mustaine was fired from Metallica. You know, was he picked up and put on a bus? Was it because of his drug taking? Was it because Kirk Hammett was waiting in the wings for them? Did they just not like him? Did they just not like him? I I mean, I totally believe it. I would. I mean, I've met him. He's a prick. When did you meet him? I met him at the SFX in 2001 uh, on the World Needs a Hero tour. Myself and my good buddy Aidan Farley, who is now a county councillor for the Social Democrats in Kildare North. Um, the standard path for any Megadeth standard fan. Standard path for any Megadeth heavy metal fan, you know. Uh, the other guy is teaching uh, English in South Korea now, so anyways. Um, but yeah, so the three of us waited at their tour bus for them to come out. David Ellison came out first, that's the bass player. Very, very nice. Chad with him and all the rest of it, he was great. Jimmy DeGrasso came out, was a little bit weird, but, you know, whatever. Signed the ticket and he was happy to, you know, chat with us here in a few minutes. Al Petrelli came out and just literally blasted right by everybody signed my ticket though still have it but he was just literally just like the guy beside him was like sign and move sign and move <laughs> and then Dave Mustaine fucking swanned out uh, after all of them and he was just like okay alright let's uh, let's sign some papers <laughs> and then like everyone was like very respectful and came up to him and Hushed reverence falls. Yeah, over yeah. The and car he's park tiny. of the SFX. He's tiny, by the way. I did like I was. I'm not tall, and I was towering over him. So there's that. But then somebody asked him. The band that was supporting them was a band called Defenestration. I've memorized. Oh yeah, I remember them. Yeah, I remember them. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the woman lead singer. Yeah, I can't remember. She the had, like, pink hair and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Big They're, Kerrang band again. Yes. Yeah. Also, where I learned the word defenestration, which is one of my favorite one words. Faves, yeah. It's we jump out a window. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's yeah right. I, I often say, listen, I'm, I'll be back in five minutes. I'm off to defenestrate myself. Nice. So, um, somebody asked him, and very like probably uh, an aspiring music journalist kind of way said oh what did you make of the uh, the support band because I read somewhere that uh, you don't really like having support bands but your label makes them do it and I think he just changed from Capitol Records to Roadrunner Records and Dave Mustaine turns to the guy and he was a young lad like I mean he was probably no older than me like about 15 or 16 or something like that and he goes 
what magazine did you read that in? <laughs> and the guy goes, oh, I can't remember. I think it was either Metal Hammer or Kerrang or something like that. And he goes, do you wipe your ass with that magazine? No, David, that would hurt. And then everyone just kind of like went, <laughs> but the poor lad must have just gone home. Mortified. And mortified beyond belief. It's also not the worst question I've ever heard anybody ask somebody. Yeah, and you like know. the fucking response of like, do you wipe your ass with that magazine? Like, well, kind of like rock star, Brian. Yeah, but like this kid should have known better. He, he should have known his better. ass with all kinds of magazines. <laughs> he he can afford it because he's got that wine money now. He can just do it. You oh, know is he a wine? Is he a wine guy? Is he? Dave Mustaine Mustaine wines. He right. owns a vineyard in California. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yep. Yep. What won't he turn his name what to? What won't he put his name on? And you were saying he wrote an album about, like, you know, let's let's build the walls? Oh, yeah, yeah. So that album, uh, I think it's called Dystopia. There is a song on it called The Threat Is Real, which Fuck is literally... Oh, how yep. on the nose. How yeah. on the nose can you... Why yeah, are you Jesus. on Facebook? Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. This is there Van Morrison. There's another song called Post-American World... And the chorus of it is, is, why should we care for those who don't want to post America? For those, why should we care before those who do, who want a post American world? Like, and it's gas because, like, you listen to P cells, and you can tell that there is a political mind at work here. That there is a sort of, again, like what you were saying at the start, that there is a sort of a a denunciation of the current order. There's a denunciation of Reagan America. Like he wrote a song about the Parents Music Rights Council and all the rest of it called Hook and Mouth. That was off the So Far So Good So What album. Um, you can tell that he has a political mind, but it's kind of like that Father Ted thing of like, you know, actually we all get very right wing when we get older. <laughs> he went super right wing. Take me back though to the SFX. Uh, when you finally got your chance to press the flesh and say something to him, did you just say thanks, Dave? Great show. I just, I just, I when he did that, I got it. He was signing my card as that happened because I was up close and he signed it, and I remember thinking it was it was that real like never meet your heroes. It was like wow, he's a prick. Hmm. Guess I'm gonna go listen to that Slayer album now and never listen to another Megadeth album yeah, again. You looked at the ticket and he'd signed Kerrang. <laughs> <laughs> or like the little mill pool. Mill pool yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn it. But um but yeah, Mustang. no. Yeah. <laughs> Five dollars. Get out of here. <sighs> but um, you know these pretzels Mars or sorry. <laughs> Five dollars. Five dollars. Yeah, Get out of here. But um but yeah, no, like it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that that incident was just reminded me that like some musicians are pricks, and you yeah. know you shouldn't meet your heroes sometimes because he you, is amazing in the Metallica documentary, though. I love, oh, he's terrific! I love when he says, you know, he goes, he goes, do you know what it's like to be in the second biggest metal band of all time? And I was like, you don't know what that's like. But also <laughs> then when he goes, I know they're big, but like, come on. And he goes, he goes, I walk down the street. And some guy looks at me, and he throws up his devil horns, and he says, Metallica! And he does that to taunt me. And I'm like, whoever did that to you is a legend. I was like, <laughs> I was like Fair play, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah, a band I could never get into. Um, yeah, no, totally. Like, it's music for dorks. It's music for dorks. And I was a dork in school. Like, a lot of their songs had, like, high fantasy kind of tone and stuff like that like like there was one song kind of Iron Ro- Maiden type stuff oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah 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 like very like very similar to World Iron Maiden building and all that kind of stuff like yeah, lore like, I want lore yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. oh no there is like there's one song off Rust and Peace called Five Magics and it's based off this like really deep cut fantasy book from the 80s called <laughs> Master of Five Magics and then like you know their other big song like Holy Wars The Punishment Jew um, that's taken from The Punisher from the comic book series The Punisher the Marvel one um, 
And he was the unproblematic Marvel character. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh yeah, he kills he people. Definitely hasn't right. inspired any bad people to do. Not yeah, at yeah. all. Not in the slightest. Like, you know, where are you getting that from, Dave? No, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I mean, again, it's kind of going back to the start is that like, you kind of have to hold your nose and listen to yeah, Megadeth. Yeah. You kind of have to be like, oh, you're a prick, but this is a good song and I enjoy this, but you're a prick, but uh, okay, well, fine. To close out this top five, which I think has been very educational. I would like to move in quickly and would you like to know how many past members Megadeth oh, have? Yeah, yes, because yeah. I do have a number. Any guesses? 42. No, like 18. 27. That's still, oh, that's still very that's impressive. Right. Good Lord. I'm sure the number will grow and grow. Number one, to bring it all back to the start, we're going to bookend this and I'll keep it quick because we've already talked about the band, but I couldn't, I couldn't not have this be my number one. I just couldn't. So here it is. Yes, we close as we began. It is Slayer. It's raining blood, you know, from a lacerated sky. And uh, all I will say is it's one of the greatest thrash metal songs of all time. I considered Seasons in the Abyss, but this had to win, and that's my number one. And we've talked about Slayer earlier in the show, so I won't bore you again with no. the details, but yes, hold your nose, listen to some great music, don't be a Nazi. Yeah, I do have one fact about this song. Do we know who produced this record? Rick Rubin. Yes, it was Rick Rubin. Richard T. Rubin. He is everywhere. Yep. He's all over Slayer and yeah, stuff. Like Slayer, Slayer was kind of like, he took Slayer in, I think, for their first record. They're standing maybe, out in the rain. Maybe, yeah. or if it wasn't their first, it was definitely their second. Yeah, that would have been, um, I think that was Rain and Blood, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is the best. It is, I would put that out, if I had, if, like, I, my top five was not kind of uh, in order as such. Yeah, of course, yeah. But if I was to, if you were to ask me what is the best thrash metal song ever, it's Slayer, Rain of Blood. No question. Yeah, it's perfect. All right, uh, Brian Lloyd, thank you so much. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. And I feel like, you know, we had a nice kind of, you know, run of emotions. You you got very mad about Elon Musk. You I'm very sorry about you that. Brought, no, no, you, you, you brought enlightenment to the top five. And uh, it's been a pleasure. I won't leave it as long next time. I'm really sorry that if we went long on this whole thing, by the way. No, really, no, no. Really like, this, is, this, this, this is how the top five always goes. Believe it or not, I actually think we're short of average, average run times. Yeah, oh, usually, nice. Yeah, it's usually like a two-hour podcast, which, you oh, know. Oh, wow. Well, you know, there's lots to talk about. So, yes, you'll come back again, I hope. I will. Please, don't, me, please don't leave it so long. I won't. Don't ghost me, man. Don't I won't. Ghost me. I won't. I'm just bad at planning and I'm stuff. like, you know, like I'm vulnerable here. I'm sitting here <laughs> being vulnerable. I'm just a man sitting in front of another man. Yeah, it's true. You know? I, like, you know, what I would say is for something like that, you know, you need a life coach. You need someone to be there to, to raise you up and make you feel better and look after you and just help you schedule things. And that man is Sonic Architect Adam. And so what he's saying is, if he ghosts you, you can come to me next yeah, time. It's pretty much that's what it is. Great to be here. Pleasure as always. As always, and much love to you, listener. Uh, appreciate you supporting the show. Please tell a friend about the program. And we'll be back next week with a brand new guest, a brand new top five. I'll keep the mystery for now. My name is Dave Hanready. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. We'll be back soon. Much love. Much love.